Welcome to Florida Basketball Hour. I am Neil Blackman, Saturday Down South. On this show, Eric Fawcett, GatorCountry.com is going to join me. We're going to talk about Florida's brand new addition to the roster. We will break down the SEC schedule, which came out. <clears throat> talk about why it's a little bit more favorable to slate for the Gators than they've had the last couple of years. Talk some non-conference as Florida's schedule is set. And we'll also break down Florida's selections in the NBA draft, Florida ends a, a long run without a first-round draft pick with the selection of Trey Mann by the Oklahoma City Thunder. Hope you guys enjoy the show, and um, remember to leave us a rating on iTunes if you can. Spotify, hit us up with a heart, subscribe. All of that stuff matters, helps us get sponsors, and we would really, really appreciate that. So thanks again. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to Florida Basketball Hour. I'm Neil Blackman. It's been a bit. I'm with Eric Fawcett, GatorCountry.com. We got some things to discuss tonight, beginning with Florida's first first-round draft pick in almost 10 years. Yeah, that feels a little uh, a little funny to say, doesn't it? I mean, but to be a little bit out of the NBA draft game for uh, for as long as that was, like you mentioned, obviously the last pick was Eric Murphy, I think, a second round pick. Uh, you know, that's probably not going to really register with a whole lot of recruits. Uh, I know from some coaches that have talked to me, um, AAU coaches or high school coaches, uh, that is something that has been mentioned about Florida. It's not like, oh, this is super damning or something that ruins their opinion of Florida, but it has been pointed out that they're like, Hey, why do you, you know, why do you think that they haven't produced NBA talent recently? And you know, the tone of uh, <laughs> those, those questions, you can kind of uh, maybe guess what they're inferring, but yeah, it's certainly not a, you know, not a great thing, but uh, to be able to get uh, two draft picks in, in the same year, uh, pretty big for Florida. Yeah. Um, what did you think of, of destinations? And I, I you know, well, I guess backing up the two draft picks thing mm-hmm. is, is uh was surprising to some people i will say this is not at all a a humble brag by fba like it was not surprising to us uh we talked about it on the last podcast we did before the draft i think the day of the draft we talked about it and it just once scotty lewis signed with clutch sports (laughs) it was kind of inevitable that someone would take a flyer on him um so florida does get the two picks um Eric, your thoughts on on destination and fit? Uh, well, I think for Trey Mann, uh, first of all, for him to get drafted, I mean, higher than I don't. I think pretty much higher than any mock draft I had seen. I think nineteen was kind of the number that yeah. um, that it was maybe on the the high end for most mock drafts. Um, that's where I had him going, and I think I was on a little bit on the higher end. Yeah. Uh, I, but uh, but yeah, eighteen, go to the Oklahoma City Thunder. I mean, what an interesting team to go to, just because. Uh, they're not looking to win for the next couple of years. They obviously have their huge stash of draft picks. uh, And you saw last year with taking someone like Pokashevsky that they're uh, really taking Mm -hmm. swings on some, some high upside guys that they're probably not really planning on having contribute right away. So with Matt, I think that that's probably a good thing. I mean, I don't think he's someone who is ready to come into the NBA and be, you know, awesome right away. I I, I do think he needs to uh, learn the NBA game a little bit and continue to develop. I think we saw that in um, in summer league already in the couple of games he played in summer league, where he was definitely really good. Don't get me wrong, but you know, Florida's offense is really unlike any NBA offense other than, yeah, you know, running a lot of pick and roll, which Trey Mann did. That's what's going to happen at the end of plays. But still a lot of the the, the actions, you know, preceding that, Florida's offense is 
not very similar to NBA offenses. And I did think that that man struggled with, with some of the reads that he had to make um, playing for Oklahoma city in the, in the summer league already. And uh, uh, of course his shot making and talent and skill is really shown out in, in a lot of ways, but yeah, there are definitely moments where it's like, yeah, he's got some, he's got some learning to do. So I think to go to Oklahoma city, a team that is going to be loaded with talent because they have so many draft picks, which means either they're going to draft a ton of talent or they're going, going to make some kind of godfather offer to, to teams um, to, to get any star player they want. So uh, I, I do think that Oklahoma City is going to be a really good team here in a, in a couple of years, and for for Trey Mann to be in that situation uh, is pretty good. I so I, I I think he should be ecstatic. I think that Florida fans should be ecstatic for him. Yeah, no, I think it's a good spot. Uh, you know, I am interested in seeing his shot making ability at the next level, uh, just because of you know the nature of continuity offense and a shorter shot clock. I think probably helpful to a player like Trey Mann. Also the fact as Eric put in many of his draft articles, uh, just the way he can shoot off the dribble in space, such an important part of, of modern basketball in the NBA. Um, and I do think, you know, he's a better defender than advertised. It was very interesting to me that like Sam Vecini at the athletic uh, was, you know, pretty harsh on his defense and, and even somebody like John Hollinger who like, is very analytically driven, you know, noted that his defensive numbers were actually good. They were better than Scotty Lewis's, for example, who we'll get to uh, in a second. I mean, are you concerned? It seems like the summer league defensive adjustment hasn't been that significant from what I've seen. Um, and that it, it is more like about reads and offense right now, just kind of understanding what's going on on the floor offensively, Eric. Yeah, I, I don't think Trey Mann is going to be a, a a plus defender um, right. in the NBA. But I, whereas I think he's a plus defender for Florida, but I think he's right. going to be a capable defender. I don't think it's going to be a problem. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've kind of said it on a couple. You know, we've said it on a couple of podcasts going back to Trey Mann's freshman season that uh, I think there's a lot of people that are going to see um, players that look like him and and have a skill set like him and say, oh, that is a you know weak defender because he's a shooter, and that's uh, a stereotype that's still persists around um, basketball and, you know, even Sam Bassini, who's someone who I absolutely love his coverage. I think he's really good. One of the best in the NBA draft world. Uh, but yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I think he's kind of wrong on that one. And I'm not, maybe shouldn't make sweeping judgments like this, but I am sorry, but I cannot really take the word of anyone seriously who says they watched the film of Florida and came away thinking that Scotty Lewis was a better defender than Trey Mann. You can say you can you can project to the NBA level and say, um, "Oh, I think that Scotty Lewis is going to be better than Trey Mann," and then you can talk about that and and you know make a fair argument, a reasonable argument for it. But anyone who says, "Oh, I don't care what the numbers say," I looked at the tape and also wrote that he thought Scotty Lewis was a tremendous defender of Florida. Um, I don't think he maybe watched as much film as, as he maybe suggested he did, which is fair. I mean, again, Sabasini is awesome, and he could yeah, tell he's you good. He, he could tell you so many, so much on you know the 112th ranked player who is nowhere close to being drafted. So he does really good, but I do think he had a little bit of a blind spot when it came to Trey Mann's defense. Yeah, it was fun to go back and forth with him uh, as I did on the on the Twitter feed, and and I did kind of back off when he was like, "Yeah, I think we're watching the film differently," and you know, I didn't want to. I was like, well, I think that there's probably the coaching staff and Eric Fawcett who have watched more Florida basketball film than me. So, like, if you really want to have this debate, but I didn't go that direction, um, you know, because Sam does do a great job. And it, it's always good to actually have a respectful back and forth with somebody that you really 
uh, think is good. But yeah, I, I don't think you could watch Florida last year and say that Trey Mann wasn't a better defender than Scotty Lewis. He was, but Scotty Lewis gets drafted largely because of that freakish athletic upside uh, and just this idea that, you know, uh, now he's a little older than most two and through players, um, Eric, but still sort of plenty of basketball growth that he can do. And he's, you know, he has a, a good work ethic, at least by reputation. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, Charlotte, again, a team that has, uh, you know, definitely done, done some agents some favors in uh, the last couple of years. Uh, definitely a team that's uh, willing to take those swings um, given just the core that they already have. And when you're drafting, yeah, in the late second round, statistically, you're not going to come away with even rotation players that often. So yeah, it may kind of made sense for them who need to, you know, stay in the good graces of someone like, uh, like Rich Paul. A uh, great pick for them. And, and hey, Scotty Lewis has been pretty good for them in summer league. I mean, me and Jake Winderman have been uh, really messaging back and forth about it that, you know, Scotty Lewis is going to Scotty Lewis no matter what level he's at. Um, in summer yeah. league, he's like, you know, four points, four rebounds, um, you know, two assists, two steals, a block, and uh, like five fouls. That's kind of the joke between me and Jake. And it looks to be the case so far. He did it again tonight. Um, we're recording here on uh, on Thursday night. Um so yeah, I mean, I, it's great. Like Scotty Lewis, I don't know if anyone's caught his, his two summer league games, but he has been exactly what you expected from Scotty Lewis. Those two games could not have been more perfect Scotty Lewis games. There were times where he made really cool athletic defensive plays and made some recovery blocks that were fantastic. He blocked a three pointer from you know Joe Wieskamp, I think it was, or yeah. some some tall shooter, like you yeah. know a six seven shooter, you know blocks a three point. Like that's that's awesome. But then it was also like wow, he just got cooked off the dribble a couple of times and was forced <laughs> to foul. Or oh, he gambled for steals and didn't come up with them, and the other team got a lay because of it. Like um, you know. Charlotte, if they watch the film, they're going to be like, well, we got this guy in our, in our program and he is exactly who we thought he was. So uh, definitely they, I'm sure they obviously weren't drafting Scotty Lewis for, for what he is, but what they think he could be. And I think through summer league, they're like, yeah, we know who he is right now. And uh, let's see if we can keep those really athletic recovery plays and see if we can smooth out that perimeter defense and smooth out some of that gambling. It's a super interesting uh, roster that they've put together. Um, but if you really like college basketball and maybe you like the balls, um, <laughs> they're kind of, they're kind of fun, aren't they, Eric? Well, Matt, well, you know, I would have never thought in my life that I would open up Twitter and say, or, and see arguments about who should be getting minutes, um, between <laughs> Scotty Lewis and, uh, Leangelo ball. So that was, that was certainly shocking. <laughs> but I mean, other than that, you know, they have someone who the, the podcast here really loves in Grant Riller, someone I think we really wish, um, transferred to Florida when he had the opportunity to be a graduate transfer. Yeah. I kind of shocked everyone when he went back to Carl college of Charleston. Um, but yeah, I mean, Kai Jones is as fun as they're into watch. I know he's on their team. Um, book night of of course uh jt thor a player who i wasn't as, as big on out of out of auburn but hey we'll see um and i actually love watching vernon carey jr play um i i know that you know yeah those big centers are not super uh popular these days in basketball but i love seeing a little bully ball from from guys who have great footwork down there so uh yeah really fun roster for sure yeah no it's gonna be uh it's gonna be interesting to see where you know scotty lands uh and it you know I'm actually kind of intrigued to see him in the G league uh, and whether it's like Scotty Lewis is going to Scotty Lewis, no matter what level he's at and his, his lines from summer ball kind of just translate to the G league, but like on a larger minute scale, or 
if he becomes like kind of this G League freak that's really, really good in the G League, but you know, his cup of coffee in the NBA is so limited by his offense. Any any thoughts on that? Yeah, well, I think you just kind of alluded to it. Like as much as his reputation is as a defender yet, you know, we don't think he's as good of a defender as that reputation suggests. It really is for him going to be Kenny knock down a jump shot. And, and again, through summer league, he's got his three pointers that, that leave the scope of the camera and leave the broadcast for a half a second before re-entering atmosphere. And uh, unfortunately, you know, clanking out for him at summer league. So that that's really going to be the swing skill for him because I, I again, I just don't think he's a, a great enough individual defender to warrant being a guy who just doesn't bring much on the offensive end. So he's going to have to be a great cutter. Which again, hey, if you're playing with the, you know, you're playing with the, uh, with the balls. I mean, hey, that that could work for him being someone who scores away from the ball using his athleticism, cutting behind defense. Um, maybe he's going to be able to score in transition. Um, there was a really nice connection from James Booknight to him for a layup. Like maybe Booknight's a great guy for him to play next to as well. Though I don't think Booknight's a great passer, but in transition, a good passer. Um, so that that's really going to define it for him. So we'll we'll see if the jump shot falls. We'll see if he can find uh, ways to score in other ways. Or hey, I guess we'll see if he's ever able to really defend at the level that um, some people think he can really defend. And I do think he's going to have some amazing team defense moments, which is what we're seeing with some of those help side blocks. But uh, but again, yeah, someone who's got great length and great athleticism he's just got he's got to be able to become a better one defender yeah and i will say that eric collins the terrific play-by-play announcer for the charlotte hornets has already uh dubbed scotty lewis space jam which i think is such a fantastic (laughs) nickname for scotty because of the thunderous dunks he can do but it but apparently eric collins did it the first time he saw lewis's jump shot because it looks like it enters orbit (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so uh scotty space jam lewis for for anybody listening and and trey man just thought we'd start the show with with the dudes that broke the draft streak um because that's a good thing it's always a good thing um florida is practicing uh and they have added a player to their roster and to their recruiting class eric uh this was surprising this this edition of of guard Elijah Kennedy, but uh, the more you read, um, the more pleasantly surprising it is. Maybe. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, the, when when I first heard his name, it was like, oh, here's a again very surface. This was you know zero research for me, um, but you know it's like, oh, here's a guy who has a couple of low major offers. And, uh, you know, Florida, you know, gives him an offer and he, or, and he's also off to a prep school with, um, you know, a, a, in, in North Carolina, I think that that was, it was one of those things where it almost had that little bit of Quez Glover vibes, a player that didn't have a lot of interest was, uh, maybe not headed for the division one level at all, but Florida gives an opportunity, but, uh, but then very quickly you see, oh, this is a player who played on a really good AAU team and went to peach jam and played really, really good. And was a really good player in a good league in a good state for basketball, and you start to see like, wow, this is a a legitimately good player. And then, of course, you see uh, uh, that 
horrifying news of, of the injury he had and what ultimately is really the only thing that kept him from having these high major offers. Um, because, uh, yeah, you look at a guy with decent size, six foot four, uh, known, known as a shooter, looking at the stats, he's shot the ball really well, both in high school and on the Nike circuit and, and peach jam. And then, uh, you saw guys like, like I, one thing I was really interested by was, was Rob Doster who talked about him at, at seeing him at peach jam, who kind of looked at him and said like, Oh, that's a good looking player. Let me go, you know, pull up and find out what high major offers he has because he looks like a high major player to me and then see like oh he doesn't have really any offers what's going on here and then find out about the injury so uh i mean everything that i kind of read subsequently and and looked at on film and and looked at his highlights um everything was really pleasant after i after i heard he committed so yeah there was definitely a little bit of um surprise at first but when you see um when you hear about a story about the injury that had him out for over a year um and then of course coming back during covid tough time to get back into your high school basketball career after missing a year of basketball um yeah that's a good way to not get scouted or to get under under recruited generally uh but uh yeah hearing the story seeing uh seeing the film i i it's a pretty exciting ad for uh you know what you're going to get at this point of the season yeah, played only uh, 10, 11 games, I think, in his senior year. Not not the whole season. Um, and like Eric alluded to, during COVID, when there weren't visits that were allowed, there was no coaches watching stuff. It was all, you know, film and guys. People were working on guys they were already recruiting. So it was tough for him to get back in that game off this horrific injury. Played pretty well his senior year, if you care anything about high school statistics in the very limited – sample size at a good school. Um, but I think more importantly, and Eric mentioned it a bit already, played on a really good AAU team, Boo Williams, a uh, couple Gators uh, in history from Boo Williams, Vernon Macklin. Um, I think the most recent Florida Boo Williams player, maybe Eric, correct me if I'm wrong. If there's been one since him, I don't think that there has uh, 25 NBA players from, from Boo Williams, the likes of, um, Allen Iverson, I guess, probably, and Alonzo Mourning, probably the most famous, but uh, plenty of of pretty sweet names um, from sweet Kent Bazemore to uh, the the ultimate warrior, Mike Scott. Um, just people that have, have played. It's just a great AAU team to be on, and, and obviously uh, to be like the guy that's filling the bucket up for them. Uh, is an impressive thing. And that was Elijah Kennedy. And then, um, yeah, I mean, the Peach Jam, people that have starred at the Peach Jam, that has been a good, good thing for for Florida basketball, whether it's Bradley Beal or, you know, whether that's when everybody fell in love with Kayvon Allen, right? That's when he was just going crazy at the Peach Jam. Uh, Chandler Parsons, another guy who had a great Peach Jam. So, good history with Florida and that particular competition and, and uh, some, as Eric mentioned, some programs came calling late to keep him from combine Academy. One of them was Florida and, and he signed on the dotted line. I, I guess the next point would be, it's hard to see him figuring out what his role is as a freshman. And I think that's okay, Eric. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess we'll we'll see exactly because again, I, I think a lot of people were making the Quez Glover comparisons for a, you know a player that was under recruited that that Florida gave a chance to. Um, 
And of course, one of the things with, with Quez Glover was I think that a lot of people expected him to be okay, not playing the first couple of years and then working his way in. Um, and that wasn't, that ended up not being the case. So I, I guess we'll, we'll see exactly how, how it is with, uh, with him. But uh, I, I think that you look at the rotation that Florida has at, at shooting guard, there's just so many bodies there right now. And, and again, some of the players like I think McKissick is more of a two than a one. Yeah, he's going to play a little bit more of the one. I think just with looking at Florida's lineup, but but I mean, I look at him. I look at Fleming. I think Fleming's going to end up playing some three, but is probably better off as a as a two. And um, you know, we want to see like where does Reeves play? Um, where's Niles Late? However, it is there's a lot of guys that could be playing at the two. It's a little tough for me to imagine exactly where Elijah Kennedy slots in. But uh, hey, if he shoots the ball at uh, you know forty plus percent clip, which I'm not saying he will, but you know, maybe, uh, then you see if you kind of shoehorn him into, uh, to the lineup or the roster. But I, I think too, he's someone who takes a lot of pride on the defensive end from interviews. I also thought it was pretty amazing. A couple of his highlight, um, tapes that he put together. Um, the, the first like two minutes of it are like him picking up full court, what like man to man. And it's like, a lot of them are like not him getting steals. It's just like him staying with like a few slides each way with a ball handler, which I think is hilarious and amazing. Um, so clearly he's somebody who takes the defensive side of the ball seriously, but uh, you know, is he someone who could compete to be ahead of Niles lane? Like I, I, I guess maybe, but I, I, I kind of think if Elijah Kennedy is someone who factors into the lineup this year, it kind of means that maybe something went really wrong, whether it's injuries or um, some players not panning out to the extent that we kind of, or panning out to be what we thought they'd be. Yeah, and I think it's kind of cool that the leading scorer for Bill Williams last year at the Peach Jam was Cam Thomas, and this year it's Elijah Kennedy. So, wow. <laughs> so, you know, maybe that means he he will play as a freshman. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I just think that's that's it's pretty wild. Like the the players that have come out of that uh, area. So Florida still has a scholarship left as well, and. Uh, I think at this point it's almost safe and I don't want to say certain because you just never know, but it seems safe to assume that that's for a midseason transfer potentially. Yeah. I think you're going to see midseason transfers happen more th- like these days than, uh, than ever. And there hasn't exactly been a lot of really good midseason transfers the last couple of years, but we just kind of started to see them trickling in. So I kind of think that, well, you you kind of saw with Florida's high school recruiting that they were just not going to take a player unless they were 100% certain with it. And I think that, yeah, even nowadays, if you're going to be looking at the JUCO or post-grad or something like that, uh, yeah, if you're not 100% sure, why not just hold off and, and see if it's there for midseason transfer? Or, you know, if you don't use it all year, then okay, then your your books are clean for the next offseason where you're going to go hard at the transfer portal once again, certainly. So uh, I, I, I think it's, I'm with you. I, I think that it's probably safe to assume that they're not going to use it on another player before the season starts. But um, Hey, who knows that it's, it's, it's crazy just to think the yeah, player like Elijah Kennedy could still be out there um, because that's a much more quality ad than I would have thought Florida ever would have gotten knowing that they had the scholarship available this late. So who knows, maybe there's a player similar to that similar to that out there. I think Florida would have loved for a player like that to be available. Who is a big man that they could, you know, red shirt or, develop in, in, in some capacity. Um, but uh, once again, if you're not 100% sure, just hold on to that scholarship. Make sure your books are a little bit cleaner for either midseason transfer or uh, someone next year. Yeah, I mean, worked for Kentucky last year. Probably their best ad um, mm. when you think about their 2021-22 roster. I still think their best ad, midseason transfer. 
and that's because they had an open scholarship. Well, I, and I think with all these teams that are using transfers and looking to kind of use all their scholarships, yeah, if a player become, like that becomes available, would you know, would, it, would Oscar Shibway have gone to Kentucky? Uh, you know, probably I think if, if Kentucky offers, like, yeah, you're probably going to go there. But, um, you know, in the offseason, you're competing with, you know, everybody for the best transfers. If a really good transfer decides to transfer midseason and you're one of the teams who can take them with a scholarship, and a bunch of the teams that you normally be competing with don't have a scholarship that definitely gives you an edge. So uh, maybe they get the next, you know, Oscar Shibway or similar type player because the similar caliber programs to Florida don't have space to take him, but the Gators do. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting. And I think that's the trend in the sport. I mean, all across the sec, we saw teams hit the portal very hard. It's not just Eric Musselman anymore. Um, so I think, you know, having that, little bit of flexibility is is not the the worst thing in the world certainly better than you know a player that they're not totally certain of especially at a position like the center and if you've watched any of the social media videos uh you know you're quietly you're either very worried about florida's post defense or very encouraged about jason tobo <laughs> i'll let malik grady decide for all of us on twitter <laughs> what the actual answer is. We have to get a Malik shout out in almost every pod. Um, and I, I did want to shout out uh, Malik for being the first one who pointed out to me that the SEC schedule is a bit more favorable this year. And uh, it, it is out. Um, we don't know the order yet, but we do know that uh, Florida basically last year in terms of conference strength of schedule, uh, they had the hardest in the SEC. Um, so they had a ton of games against the people that ended up being really good. They played in their building, and none of them came back to Gainesville except for Tennessee. Uh, and next year, the people that are supposed to be good, for the most part, with the exception of Kentucky and Auburn, um, Florida will play at home only. Alabama comes only to Gainesville, Arkansas, only to Gainesville, um, a strong-ass LSU club, only to Gainesville, and then Florida does have the home-and-home home with Auburn and Kentucky. But, you know, what were your – was that your kind of initial reaction to the, to the way the SEC schedule was constructed for Florida? Anything you saw that you said, oh, man, that's actually sneaky kind of hard? Like, you know, were you worried? I don't think Florida's ever going to get a chance to play Tennessee only in Gainesville again. Like that Knoxville trip is every year, but otherwise anything. Yeah. I mean, I think that uh, kind of like you said, just the fact that that last year Florida's schedule was so hard, despite the fact that they got to play Georgia twice and, and Vanderbilt twice. I mean, that's like tough to do to have such a tough schedule in the other games to make it that Florida has one of the toughest schedules. So uh, again, I think to see that, like, I think Auburn's going to be good. I mean, yeah, you bring in, you know, Walker Kessler, that's going to be a big man for one of the good, you know, big men to, for Florida to handle. And uh, Zepp Jasper from College of Charleston, and that's a player that Florida had interest in. Like, that'll be uh, be fun to see them. I think they're pretty good, but I, I don't think Ole Miss is is awesome. So to just see that those are the, the rotational series games, um, I think that you probably lucked out there. And I also think, like you said, uh, to be able to get Alabama and Arkansas at home, uh, that's pretty big because I do think that those are going to be, you know, the big boys in the SEC. So um, all in all, I think pretty favorable. And uh, I've got to say, you know, there's not really an order that 
that like you said the order's not out yet i don't think that there's an order these games could be placed in where i would suddenly be like wow that's a tough schedule for the gators because just with a number of opponents and where they're playing on the schedule sure even if florida has a might have a three games you know chunk somewhere where it's you know three really good opponents and two of them are on the road but that means that florida's probably going to have a little bit of an easier run or two um if, if those better games are going to be concentrated so yeah definitely i uh, Definitely a positive announcement for the Gators, I think. Yeah, I really thought it was. Um, and then we do know the non-conference schedule is is done, um, which is cool. Uh, the Gators will open against Elon, the Fighting Christians, on November 9th. That is their nickname. Um, you know, that's cool. <laughs> um, the We'll play Florida State second. Uh, on November 14th and we will stop there because we, this will be, this is going to end up being like a 40 minute Florida basketball hour anyway. And that's fine um, for, for an August FBH, but I want to have this like discussion on FBH instead of on Twitter with people. Like, what is your feeling on playing FSU this early? I actually have a take. So. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm curious. I, I think that for the last six years I've been, not wanting to play Florida state early. Um, it has just been a disaster for the Gators coming in because I think that they have come in as the much younger team and to play a team that's much more established. That's much more athletic. Um, like, like again, like playing early in the season, you're probably expecting a game to be a little bit more, you know, less structured teams are probably not going to be as crisp as they are mid season. So it's probably going to turn into a little bit more of a rock fight. That's going to favor the team that's more athletic and bigger. So yeah, not exactly where you want to be playing, Florida State. Then you add in that Florida has went into the last couple of seasons with a game plan to play a style of offense that I don't think is going to work or, you know, we haven't thought is going to work and, you know, ultimately didn't. It's just been a recipe for disaster. So I think that it has been really bad, but I look at this year and uh, I, I, I see that Florida is going to be the older team for once. Um, that's pretty crazy. And uh, I, I just, uh, I kind of think like, yeah, if, if there's ever a year to play Florida State this early and, and I'll be happy about it, I think it might be this year. Okay, so Eric has the, I mean, you guys have got to be stunned that Eric and I have like a similar take, but this is the year. This, <laughs> this is the year to actually play them. I'm, I'm still glad it's not the first game. Like they did the Casey Hill, Devin Robinson year when they went up to Tallahassee and lost by like three points or whatever. And that stunk. Um, but I actually think they've done it twice in Tallahassee where it was the first game. One game was less competitive and the other one was very competitive in Florida loss. So I'm glad it's not first. Um, but I do think this is a great time to do it with a team full of seniors. Uh, I do think Florida was going to beat them last year and you know, we all know what happened. Um, but uh, I like I like where that game is, and then I like the fact that you know Florida Mike White should be able to get his team's focus with Milwaukee after that um, for kind of fun reasons, Eric. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean to play uh, play an NBA star like that that's going to be pretty good. But uh, I, I, I've got I've got to circle back though just for one one second, Neil. I, I've got to ask you this question and. I, you, this probably is something that we should be talking about in like October, but I feel like we'll probably know by then because someone like Graham Hall is going to ask the right questions and, and we're going to find out. 
But do you think that Florida, when they tip off against Elon, Elon, let's say they win the tip because Colin Castleton is going to be the bigger of the centers, presumably, uh, and Florida comes down the floor, do you think they're playing dribble drive? Oh, man. You know, we did a whole show on this, and I hope not, but <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Um, you know, I, I tell you what, I'll be a little more concerned about that FSU game against Leonard Hamilton's <laughs> defense if they are playing dribble drive, Eric. Yeah, that's. I, I'm just pretty interested to see it because, again, this is going to be a going. We're kind of going back to like, oh, like it hasn't fit the, the these last couple of yeah. teams. Well, this is a team that it might fit a little bit better, okay. but at the same time, is that you know, is that still what you're going for? I mean, um, we'll see. So I'm uh, pretty pretty interested by that, but I, I'm pretty sure that's going to be one of the questions that once we uh, kind of swing past football, the start of football a little bit, and it gets to be like media day and, and stuff like that and, and answering questions. I'm sure that uh, what the offense is going to be is, is going to be something that, that White gets asked about a lot. And uh, if there's anyone who's going to be honest about it, it's going to be Mike White. So I'm sure we're going to have like a pretty decent answer even, you know, before we get to that point. So um, I'm obsessed with Florida's like mid-major buy-in games. Nice. I, think, I think they're awesome. Um, mostly because of Milwaukee and my like ultimate – Mike White Twitter is going to be on total fire game December 22nd against Stony Brook. Like the Mike White ruined my Christmas tweets are going to be savage because that Stony Brook team is really, really good. And Florida better not just be like, it's Christmas, whatever. Um, Cause it's going to be an L if they are. Yeah, that's not normally the the spot that you put one of the better mid majors you're going to play. <laughs> and you know, in fairness, I mean, there was I don't know exactly when the schedule was was made, but a uh, couple like a couple years ago was a bit of a rough stretch for Stony Brook, so maybe that one was done done there now. But uh, you know, I, I I might rather see you know even like Texas Southern then or or, or North Florida yeah. at that point uh, or Troy. Like um, what I'm really getting at is any of the mid major opponents other than Stony Brook. So, Anybody uh, <laughs> but Stony Brook. <laughs> And Texas yes. Southern has been to like three of the last four NCAA tournaments. So that's, I'm glad you brought that up. That's a fun one too. Yeah, it is a really good schedule from like, uh, I, again, just like the kind of pure basketball standpoint, there's some really interesting teams and uh, that makes it super fun. And I hope that it's a chance for, for some, you know, Florida fans to check out some teams that we haven't seen in a while. Like, again, I, I know not a lot of people are looking at like America East basketball or whatever, but um, uh, yeah, that's definitely, I would say Stony Brook is, is probably the most likely to uh, really surprise. I mean, uh, again, Milwaukee plays in a little bit better league. Yes. They've got Patrick Baldwin jr. The, the five-star, but, uh, but I mean, that's a team that's had kind of multiple losing seasons in a row. So, so we'll see. I mean, I would take, the like Stony Brook, who's been a lot better and has continuity from um, from a lower league versus Milwaukee, who might play in a slightly better league, have you know one five star player, but doesn't have the track record. But a couple opportunities. I mean, again, Milwaukee coming off of Florida State. Let's say Florida Florida gets a big win over Florida State, breaks the curse. Um, let's see what the focus level is uh, that week to play Milwaukee. Yeah, absolutely. Stony Brook scares me. I'm six seniors. Um, <laughs> they start five, and then their six man is a senior. Uh, they have the returning America East player of the year, Elijah Alanai, um, who is just a monster. Uh, kind of like a like if Keontae Johnson were in the America East. Um, I'm not saying he's as good as Keontae, but you're going to watch him on December 22nd and be like, dude, that guy's really good at basketball because he is. 
Um, I just really like that team. I think they're good enough to win a game in March. Um, and usually, by the way, it's low-level conference teams with a bunch of seniors that win a game in March. Um, and so they kind of fit that mold. Yeah, it's weird where it's put. Uh, you know, maybe Florida will get the crap scared out of them at the Orange Bowl Classic like they always do, and that'll wake them up for it. Or maybe they'll just know that Stony Brook's really good because Mike White's super honest and he'll come into the press conference on like December 19th and be like, yeah, Stony Brook's really good. And people will be like, Mike White about to ruin my Christmas. Anyway, it's going to be fun. <laughs> well, uh, I, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I'm just, I realized I should have, uh, I should have been looking at it, but I mean, I'm, I'm thinking by that point that uh, like Stony Brooks, Stony Brook is going to probably have picked off another team yeah. by then. And uh, I, oh, it looks like they haven't announced their 2021 schedule. I was hoping to see that. Uh, uh, exactly what they're, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I was kind of thinking like, oh, there might, you know, I'm, I'm guessing Stony Brook is going to show that they're awesome by then. Like you said, yeah. by, right about Christmas. So uh, there'll be an opportunity there to, uh, to just see exactly how good they are. And hopefully I, you know, I, I'm, I'm sure Florida won't be taking them lightly. Yeah, and then Florida's like big league games, Eric, are are also pretty fun. I mean, Maryland, a team I've wanted the Gators to play for a while. Uh, a couple coaches with drastically different personalities, but fan bases that received them the same way. <laughs> um, and uh, well, I mean, it's true. Like they are kind of received that way by their fan bases, even though like one of them is sort of a prince of a human being, and the other one is Mark Tershawn. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but um. You know, and then Oklahoma State, speaking of coaches that are princes of a human being, um, really well coached, pretty darn good, going to be a lot of fun in the, the Big 12 Challenge. Yeah, I mean, Oklahoma State, we'll see exactly how they play because, of course, they no longer have Cade Cunningham, which can yeah. really uh, really shift your uh, you know your game plan a little bit, I would say. You think? But, uh, yeah, <laughs> so, of course, I you know I watch so much Oklahoma State, uh, try to figure out, you know, try to see, like, oh, what is what is uh, Eric Pastrana going to bring to uh, to Florida or what could he bring? So I, of course, watch a ton of Oklahoma State. They, they run a ton of sets, um, which is going to be interesting from a standpoint of uh, – Play, playing against uh, you know the former head coach if it's you know you know if he knows all the sets we'll we'll see exactly uh, what Oklahoma State looks like and uh, I think that uh, while people might think oh they had Cade Cunningham they probably just put Cade Cunningham in a pick and roll and let him operate one on one um, he actually didn't run much pick and roll he didn't actually run a lot of isolation uh, there wasn't actually a lot of Cade Cunningham hero ball which honestly makes his production so much more interesting because uh, that, that that's kind of normally what we see from elite players like that but he really played with him that like within the flow of their offense. So as much as I joke about, yeah, you know, losing Kate Cunningham really shifts what you're going to do. Uh, they were a team that ran a lot of sets. They didn't run a lot of those sets specifically for Kate Cunningham. So they could look um, pretty simple or pretty similar. And um, they ran a lot of these like, Iverson cuts over the top to initiate a lot of their sets. I tweeted that out a few months ago or whenever Pastrana first got hired. Um, I would have loved if, if Florida would have stolen a lot of those sets. A lot of them are really good. So um, I'll be watching for that. Yeah, Avery Anderson, I think, is the guy they mostly used in pick and roll because he can't shoot. So might as well get him head into the to the 10. But uh, he can dunk. Like, seriously, go Google Avery Anderson dunk uh, for the basketball hour listeners. It's fun. Um, there's some, some crazy stuff. He threw one down in the Arkansas game that was just very, very memorable and mesmerizing. Uh, they also have a, a Canadian, I think. Um, is he still there? Moncrief? Uh, I believe so. I don't, or he might've transferred out. He did not go pro. That is not his. Uh, okay. So then test. he's, he's still there. He didn't transfer. 
So, yeah, he was yeah. he was like once upon a time like a top forty player who I think Florida yeah. offered at one Florida, point. Florida offered but, him was kind of. I think they said they they definitely stuck nickels on him for a little while. Yeah, and I think he ended up maybe being uh, not not quite as good as as uh, you know when he was once like top spot. forty player. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but of course ended up still being uh, being a good player. I mean he's at he's Oklahoma State and um, yeah. so yeah that's a that's one to watch out for. No, no question. So I don't know. It's going to be, I, I, I like Florida's schedule a lot. I think it, it, um, treads the line between like hard and like stupid. Um, and Florida has been in the kind of stupid category before. I, you know, Eric knows I, I always reference the Chiosa team his senior year when they just kind of overdid it. I think this is a much better balance. It's more of that LSU type schedule where you're baking in computer numbers that are going to be really good because Texas Southern is pretty good. Um, you know, Milwaukee's going to win some games, even though the program's a mess because they've got a lottery pick. Um, you know, obviously Stony Brook is pretty darn good. Maryland's going to go to the NCAA tournament because Maryland goes to the NCAA tournament. Oklahoma State's going to be pretty good. FSU is FSU. So you get the point, but like it's not overwhelmingly hard. Um, and I think, I think that's good, Eric. Yeah, it's not overwhelmingly hard, but I do think it'll be, it'll be a really good one. And it'll kind of depend to exactly what like Ohio state or Seton Hall is at, at Fort Myers. Right. Um, and I mean, and Mark we'll Fox, see yeah. master well, of the dribble drive defense. Yeah. So we'll see exactly how that rolls and, and, uh, what, what Cal is looking like, but you know, the game that actually I'm most looking forward to, but also scares me the most is, you know, I'm pretty sure I've just like gushed over him on Twitter enough times that people probably uh, know this, but, um, you know, I don't know if he's my favorite coach in college basketball, but you know, for a stretch of like a year, he certainly has been. It's Porter Moser at at Oklahoma. Um, I think he's absolutely brilliant. Um, I I think, well, you know, I don't I don't want to say he's the like. Okay, I don't want to exaggerate and say he is the best coach in college basketball. I will say that the things he did from a schematic standpoint on both the offensive and defensive side of the basketball are more advanced than anything I've seen from any other coach um, in, in college basketball over the last couple of years. So, um, one might say, I think I was, you know, I'm suggesting he's the best coach in, in college basketball. Well, I won't say that, but he very well could be um, the best schematic coach in college basketball. So uh, we'll see what he does at Oklahoma. And maybe by the time that they're in the SEC, they'll be, uh, they'll be the, they'll be one of the top teams in the league. But uh, right now it's a team that, you know, isn't loaded with talent, but has decent talent and a tremendous coach. Um, so I'm definitely terrified for that Oklahoma game. And yeah. I will, you know, well, you remember what Porter Moser did with, uh, with Loyola Chicago to Florida a few years back and led a game wire to wire and beat the Gators in Gainesville. So uh, got to be scared when he's now got high major talent. Yeah, no, I think, and I think that's the toughest game on Florida's schedule because it's in Norman. Um you know, and because Florida State comes to Gainesville, not that that has been an advantage, but that is kind of, if I have a hot take on the show, I think that's the toughest game that Florida has on their schedule. And I know we've talked about uh, some of the other ones, but Florida gets a lot of marquee basketball games in their building this year. And, you know, great chance for Mike White and that staff to reestablish home culture, which I think was something we talked about on our season and review show. So, that's our show today. I told you guys when we came in over 40 minutes, a little bit getting hype over the schedule. Uh, we will be back to, to start talking rosters and lineups pretty soon. So it's kind of fun. Um, I wish we were closer to basketball than we are, but we're getting close to football, which is also good. 
Um, and we will do a recruiting show because I've gotten like 25 DMs about what are they doing on recruiting. So what we'll probably do is bake some recruiting into the next show rather than doing a whole show on recruiting because Eric and I aren't like capable of doing that. Uh, just being honest, y'all. <laughs> so uh, thanks for thanks for listening.